Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Text Driven Podcast, where our goal is to provide you with resources to help you to live a text-driven life. You know, Christianity can at times seem odd. The language, vocabulary, and phrases that you find within the Bible can be at times very confusing. To a person who is a new Christian, studying your Bible might seem more like a burden than a blessing. I think it's important to recognize the oddities of biblical phrases and languages without getting rid of them. I do not think we need to deconstruct our faith to a more palatable and relatable vernacular for a modern audience. Instead, I believe that the words of Scripture are perfectly adequate for communicating to us the truth we need for growing in godliness. This episode is the final one in our series, Christianese 101, where we've been explaining some of the confusing words and phrases so that our understanding of God and His Word would be enriched and maturing. In this episode will be the final episode in that Christianese 101 series. And we're going to look at a phrase that you have inevitably heard many times in church. The phrase is, crucified with Christ. Now, there are some derivatives of that phrase that are used synonymously in the scriptures. For example, you might have heard living sacrifice, buried with Christ, die daily. Or what about this one? Take up your cross. In this episode, it's my goal to explain those word pictures of what it means in the Bible to die and yet still be alive as a Christian. In order to explain adequately the importance of the biblical concept, we will answer three questions. Number one, what it does not mean to die as a Christian. Number two, what does it mean to die as a Christian? And number three, how do I die as a Christian? Let's look at the first question. What does it not mean to die as a Christian? Jesus describes a true disciple of his as one who takes up their cross. Now listen to what Jesus said. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
For, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Now, we all know that the cross was not a pleasant experience for anyone. For the cross was the cruelest form of execution ever devised by the depraved mind of humanity. It was gruesome. It was bloody. It was horrific. And Jesus uses the picture of a cross and says that the act of crucifixion is something that his followers are commanded to do voluntarily to themselves each day. Therefore, we need to recognize what this passage is not saying. Jesus is not in any way advocating for a form of Christian suicide. He is not saying that his followers literally need to die. Those who would think that Jesus is teaching a form of mass suicide of his followers are gravely misinformed and perverting the very words of Christ. I think it's important to note that some cult leaders have advocated for such a rendering of these passages, and many misguided souls have lost their lives through believing such heresy. Additionally, we need to know that Jesus is not advocating for a form of Christian self-inflicted harm. Jesus is not saying that his followers need to inflict pain upon themselves in order to be one of his followers. Again, such a reading of that passage would be a gross misrepresentation of what Jesus is saying. And I'm really amazed, though, at how many people approach the concept of crucified with Christ and take up your cross and think that they must endure some type of harm in order to maintain God's favor. For instance, I, I have counseled with several people that believe that they have to endure hardship in order to earn back God's love and remove their guilt from sin. And I want to make it abundantly clear. Listen carefully. The death of Christ was fully sufficient before God the Father to remove the guilty verdict of your sin. Let me say that again. The death of Christ was fully sufficient in paying before God the debt that you owed, and thus removed the guilty verdict of your sin. God does not send you into a prisoner rehabilitation program with hard hours of community service to keep you in good standing with him. His grace, mercy, and love are an overflowing fountain upon you if you are a Christian. So what does it mean 
to die as a Christian. If we are not to understand crucified with Christ or take up our cross in a literal sense leading to physical death, and we are not to understand it in a self-inflicted form of purgatory to earn God's favor, then what does it mean to die as a Christian? Well, in order to answer this question, we need to understand a principle of biblical Christianity. Now, here's the principle. Already and not yet. The already and not yet principle is the idea that your soul is already redeemed, but your mind, will, body, and emotions are not yet glorified. See, at the point of salvation, our soul is secured by the Spirit, and we are, in a real sense, as Paul says in Ephesians 2.6, seated with Christ in the heavenly places. However, we remain in a daily struggle against sin. Now, I want you to notice the term that I just used. I said that we are in a daily struggle. Prior to salvation, you were unable to struggle and wrestle with sin. For by our very nature, we were children of wrath. We craved, desired, and acted from a disposition of sin. Just quite frankly, we were sinners. But now the Bible teaches, in Christ, we are a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So though we are a new creation, here's the struggle. We still have the same body, mind, will, and emotions. However, the difference is that by God's Spirit, we can now resist sin. So while our mind, will, emotions, and body are not fully glorified, they are, though, being daily sanctified. Now we live in the hope that through the work of the Spirit, we will be glorified, which means that our entire being will be without any struggle of sin. And we will be able to worship God rightly without any struggle with sin. So let's take our new already and not yet principle and let's apply it to our thinking about the phrase crucified with Christ and take up our cross. To die daily as a Christian means that we are saying no to any desire of sin and by Consequence, we are now consciously saying yes to desiring God. We are in essence putting to death our desires for sinful things and letting the Spirit of God rule in our lives. Now, this is what is meant in Galatians 2.20, where Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ 
who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, we've looked at what the phrase does not mean, and we just finished looking at what the phrase does mean. Let's turn our attention to the final question in this episode. How do I die as a Christian? So let's talk practically for just a moment. We now know what the phrase take up your cross and crucified with Christ do not mean. We also know what those phrases do mean. However, we still have to think practical for just a moment. Having an intellectual understanding of what something is and what something is not will be pointless unless we can practically work out the concept in our lives. Therefore, in this final section, we're going to answer the question of how. And to help us think practically, we need to turn our attention back to Galatians 2.20 and then look at Romans 12.2. So let's begin by looking back at Galatians 2.20. And just in case you forgot that verse, listen to it again. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, Paul explains that he has uh, repudiated his flesh and has chosen to let his faith in Jesus, guide him. Now, let's just be honest for just a moment. Many of us live by our flesh. We let our wants, we let our desires be the guiding principles for much, if not all, of what we do. Many people live by this mantra, I do what makes me feel good. We are controlled by our emotions. We are controlled by our circumstances. We live by our cravings, by our desires, by our dreams, and by our wants. And Paul, in Galatians 2.20, says no to that kind of life. For the Christian life, listen carefully, for the Christian life is a life not lived through your wants and desires and feelings. The Christian life is a life that is lived by faith. Consider what Paul said to the Romans. In Romans 1.17, he says, The righteous shall live 
by faith. So if you would classify yourself as one who is a Christian, if you would classify yourself as one who has been born again, as one who is a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus, then your method for living your life is by faith. The Christian life is a life of faith. And a life of faith entrusts to God everything. We entrust to God our marriage, our family, our desires, our feelings, our education, our money, our time, our talents, our stuff, our hobbies, our vacations. A life of faith is letting go and letting God be in control. Now, let's be honest. It takes a lot to let go of your life and turn it over to someone else. But let me ease your anxieties about living by faith. Let's look at what Paul reminds us again in Galatians 2.20. For Paul reminds us that the person who we are giving our life to who we are entrusting it to, is the Son of God, Jesus. And just in case we forgot, Jesus loves us and he gave his life for us. You see, if I'm going to entrust my life to someone, I can think of no one more trustworthy than Jesus. For he loves me and he has died for me. A second verse that we need to consider practically is Romans 12, 2. Paul said to the Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. See, Paul gave the Romans and us two commands. Number one, do not be conformed. And number two, be transformed. And these two commands are how we practically take up our cross. So let me ask you a question. Who is your greatest influence? If you have not learned by now, the world tries to influence you away from God. All the advertisements, all the propaganda, all the commentary on the news, all the shows and the movies are not meant to bring you closer to God. Instead, they are all meant to take you away from God. And Paul encourages us to not allow the world to conform us to their agenda and thinking. Paul tells us that the way we do not allow the world to conform us to their agenda is through transformation. That's the second command, be transformed. 
Now the term he uses is where we get our English word metamorphosis. A caterpillar that turns into a butterfly undergoes that process that we know in science as metamorphosis. All that the caterpillar needed to be a butterfly was in him the entire time. Now think about what this means for our discussion. Transformation is about the spirit who is inside of us, God's spirit, who is inside of us, being displayed on the outside of us. To be transformed is to let the Spirit form all of our words, our actions, and our thoughts. It is to let the Spirit control our mind, will, emotions, and body. It is to be directed in totality by the Spirit of God. And this transformation can only occur if we take up our cross and follow Jesus. We have to die daily in order for the Spirit to live out of us. So let me encourage you to start every day in submission to the Spirit of God. Let Jesus rule and reign in your life. Let him guide you. Let him lead you. And I promise you, if you do that, then you will be well on your way to living a text-driven life. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Text Driven Podcast. For more resources like this one, go to our website, www.textdriven.org. If you're ever in the Southwest Florida area, I'd love to invite you to be with us at Fellowship Church on the Lord's Day. You can find the times and locations for our worship services on our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. Until next time, know that we're praying for you to live a text-driven life. God bless.